Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, might ask them later in the show. Our topic today is executive function, but before we get into that, Mitra, Dr. B, who are you for people who may not know? <laughs> waiting for Go me for to it. start does this every time <laughs> um, I'm a clinical counselor registered clinical counselor working in Victoria, British Columbia um, I work with a bunch of different issues I do a lot of family and marriage uh, therapy um, and I also have a focus on culture and uh, intersectionality, marginalized folks, so I'm all over the place <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we? Today especially. <laughs> um, well, hi everybody. I'm Rafael Bocamazzo, uh, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And they, I, I am the clinical director over at Take This, which was the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. I am not a practicing clinician, but I was clinically trained. I do education and policy these days. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, I'm an expert on the applied use of role-playing games. And since I've already seen a comment about bow ties, I have spoken <laughs> to my bow tie guy, which is a thing I say with a straight face. And I am we're gonna I'm gonna get a one-off champions of psychology bow tie made as soon as he's done making other bow tie orders. Gotta 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 wait for the bow tie guy. You gotta be on his schedule. You're in the bow tie queue. Which is I, a sentence I, I never thought I would say for the record. <laughs> but you know, I didn't know a lot of things before meeting you, so it's true. Me me doubly so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to talk about executive functioning today. Um, why don't we start off with a definition of what that is? And I'm not doing that because I don't know very well good things. <laughs> Mitra, you want to take this away? You want me to go for this? I really would like you to take this away. Okay. Because you wrote the notes in our pre-production meeting and I thought you did such a great job. That... Okay. Okay. So let's, let's bring this down. Um, executive functioning is really the higher order brain stuff that that I went to school to say that higher order brain stuff that <laughs> that we develop as we grow older. It's the last bit in our brain to really fully develop and it's all the stuff at the front of our brain that allows us to do things like, you know, 
manage our own emotions or change plans really quickly or to just plan things in general, delay gratification, to have a good working memory. Basically, think about your executive functioning as like your RAM and your CPU. And for a lot of us, uh, especially all three of us on this show, uh, who may have AD, you know, struggle with ADHD, or in my case, autism, um, <laughs> executive functioning is often inhibited in various ways. Like I have, if we want to use that computer metaphor, I have terrible RAM and terrible CPU. Great graphic card, but it's 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 awful when one half of my brain can't keep up with the other, and the other half's going, "You should be able to do this," uh, but. You know, executive functioning is all of that higher order planning and inhibitory stuff that that we as people are able to do to varying degrees. How did so, I do? So I think you did great. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. yeah. I think it's. Um, I mean, in my personal experience of it, it has to do with. Um, it has to do with how regulated you are. So I don't think we've really talked about the window of tolerance on this show, but it really relates closely to executive function issues. So I'll briefly summarize that there's a kind of Goldilocks zone in which we're all capable of kind of functioning relatively well. And even if something within this Goldilocks zone, I'll use my head, Goldilocks zone. Well, it's just um, right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's just right. Exactly. And if you're thrown off course, you can get back on course pretty quickly. And through a day, you might kind of go up and down a little bit, but you can kind of bring yourself back to this window of regulation, right? Mm -hmm. And um, if you are already feeling quite anxious, for example, or you've got a really stressful day, you might not be at your full range. You might kind of be over here. We use this part to represent that anxious high energy and this part to represent that low, hardly any energy. Um, and I didn't expect to do a hand dance through this this particular episode, but in any audio case... Audio listeners are really missing out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, audio listeners, but try to put one hand above your head like you were going to tap it, and your <laughs> other hand down sort of at upper chest level, and you'll kind of be talking about the window just fine. Just um, audio listeners know that a mime is a terrible thing to waste, and that's really? exactly what's being yeah. done oh, here. Oh, God, no. <laughs> okay, he's going to be filled with puns this entire episode. Anyway, so yeah, up, down, up, down, we can do it. If we are highly anxious already, we're easily dysregulated. Then you're not in your window of tolerance, and then you're not in your executive functioning, and that's how the two relate. Well, and what's interesting is one of the things to know is that this is what is executive functioning. If if you if you notice as a viewer that we're having a little bit of trouble defining it concretely that's because science has a really has a difficult time defining it concretely there's a lot of different models for this but it's something we talk about with with some frequency because when people have a hard time with their executive functioning they have a hard time with a lot of areas of life for example you know it people who people who say they can multitask well really they can't multitask they're not doing things simultaneously they're switching tasks so mm -hmm. quickly it's imperceptible mm -hmm. okay and for some of us that set switching is really hard i can't do that well at mm -hmm. all like at all because uh, when you think about it it takes and this is part of the reason i like that computer model it takes mental programs to ignore things 
you go into a room and knowing what stuff to not listen to or even have the ability to not listen to things is a program in and of itself. And for some of us with executive functioning challenges, that program's either buggy or doesn't exist. And so there's yeah. a lot of aspects of our lives that are governed by this higher order, this higher brain function. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think the task switching is a really good example of how there might be days where you feel like I'm on fire and I'm getting everything done and I can move between these tasks really well so I can uh, get a load of laundry in and, and make a phone call and take a meeting and in the midst of all that somehow write on uh, you know a, a paper or article or something that I have to submit. Um, but a lot of the times that's not my reality for sure. Um, when I was doing my masters, there were times when I'd have to sit down and go, okay, I'm, I'm just staying here. And, and mm -hmm. if I got into a flow, I'd be really scared to stop mm -hmm. because it could take so much to try and get back into it. And that was, you know, that's kind of like you can get into that state of hyper-focus, yeah. but, and task switching, switching feels near impossible and you're scared of stopping mm -hmm. because then you'll probably end up procrastinating and eating cookies in the kitchen <sighs> at 2 a.m., which, you know, it's a thing. I'm sorry, what, were you here last me? night? <laughs> I feel called out. Um, I, 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 I actually, like, I think it was literally yesterday I saw a tweet, and I don't remember who it was from, that was like, uh, living with ADHD means that one day you can do the laundry, make yourself lunch, eat, do your homework, uh, play the game or something, and do all that stuff, and then the next day it takes you two hours to make lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I that felt that in my bones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the that's part of the problem when somebody has ongoing executive functioning challenges. And one of the things, if, especially if you're if you're a new viewer for season two, first of all, welcome. Uh, second of all, one of the things that we talked about in season one, and I'm going this is a big soapbox for me. Date, you know, uh, periodic challenges with things are very different than ongoing, consistent challenges. You know, we're all forgetful from time from from for time from time to time. We all stumble on our words, like I just did from time to time. We, you know, we all have bad days. But when we talk about people who have consistent executive functioning challenges, we're talking about like a daily struggle, where maybe even a moment to moment struggle. Uh, where, yeah, you, you might have a good day, but because of those executive functioning challenges, you can't sort of willpower yourself back into that work state the same way that other people have the ability to. Mm -hmm. And so the work, the work that we can do isn't quite as consistent. We have like a week, hopefully, of really intense good work that's going to make up for the inconsistent distractible work for the next week. Yeah. Absolutely. And do, does that tie into the the response inhibition and impulsivity? Definitely. Sorry, what? Oh, well, the, the... <laughs> God dang it. I know he's going to do this he's going to do this the entire time. <laughs> Sorry. See, the, our, our mistake was laughing at three puns in a row from him before the show started. It's that was what... I was proud of those. Did you, you notice he puns. used the word periodically? God dang it. In the it. show. I know. I know. It. He's going to slide it in the entire, <laughs> you know, because periodic table dress. Yeah, he, but he's before. Been, he's, 
Made Before several... the show, I called Mitra basic because oh, of her ele- because of her elemental dress. I got salty dress. about that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love it so much. Um, so, so what what exactly would the response inhibition and impulsivity do with it? Okay, so I don't know if anyone watched the season ender, but never mind um, if you didn't. So what happens is our frontal lobes um, work best when they're fed and loved and have slept um, and have been given plenty of, um, well, not too much stimulation, but just enough stimulation to get them going. So, and our frontal lobes don't do so well when we're really tired and if we haven't eaten, and also if we are maybe neurodivergent and have other struggles and then move into a state of overwhelm because of too much stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot handle a lot of loud, heavy metal music while I am trying to fix dinner. There's just way too many tasks and pots on the boil, literally, mm-hmm. for me to be able to stay focused if I'm mm-hmm. also managing a whole lot of stimulation in the room. So, yeah, so our frontal lobes require us to be kind of regulated, word I love, um, and our ability to manage impulsivity has to do with executive function not working so well and overriding it. So I might say to myself, okay, I'm in the midst of cooking dinner and I'm hungry, but of course I'm going to wait until dinner's ready, as opposed to let me just have a bowl of chips and a... Listen, you don't have to come at me like this, okay? <laughs> I'm comfortable with my eating habits. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm not so hungry at dinner time because I've already sort of eaten and it wasn't the thing I really wanted to eat. Now maybe I feel a little bit sick. And not just me, apparently. But that's one example of sort of impulsivity overriding what we actually want because mm-hmm. we just don't have the capacity to keep it going. And one more thing. We talk a lot about wanting to change habits and having willpower and discipline. And this is often um, associated with things like a weight loss plan, right? And if you just had more willpower, right? Mm -hmm. Or even getting procrastinating and getting work done. Well, you just have to apply yourself, okay? So it's really important to understand there's a big difference between willpower and discipline in that discipline is about habit formation, right? And willpower is about continually having to override those impulsive feelings, which is, again, as we've said, much, much harder when you're hungry or tired or haven't slept or, you know, or just having a difficult day for emotional reasons or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But we want to create discipline and structure in our lives so that we don't have to think about it. I don't, you know, well. I, I want to I want to add to that, and I, I realize we're jumping ahead a little bit, but this mm. is something I, I'll I'll admit be because I was diagnosed autistic so late in my life, and there is evidence to support the idea that the longer it is before you receive an ADHD diagnosis, an autism diagnosis, the more internalized negative self image, uh, negative self talk, negative uh, perception you have to you have to sort of untangle, and. I, I struggle with this daily. And one of the things that we, we've already touched on already and I've seen come up in chat already is the idea that we should be able to do this thing. Why? Because, yeah. you know, it's what adults should be able to do. Well, this is... I 
think about the it, this is an ability score here okay this yeah. is like a this is like a, an invisible score on your own personal character sheet i don't expect in a tabletop rpg game that i'm running i don't expect a character with a wisdom score of eight to be able to do some of the same mental tasks that someone yes. with a wisdom score of 16 is going to be able to do, okay? I won't expect yeah. them to have the same perception ability. I won't accept them, expect them to have the same insight. And it becomes it, it becomes berating for me to tell that character, well, you should have seen it coming. Why? Why should mm -hmm. they have seen it knowing that they have a wisdom score of 8? And that's what we're talking about here. The fact that some of us actually, especially in regards to our other cognitive abilities, are literally impaired when it comes to these things. And so many of us go through, go through our days going, I should be able to do it. I should be able to do it. I should be able to do it. No, literally, I have a disability in this area. Why should I be able to do the thing that I literally have a low score in? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, many of us, particularly those of us who are neurodivergent or those of us who've had a lot of challenges through the developmental years. And by that, I mean um, someone who's had a stable family life, um, no separation and divorce with parents, lived in the same part of the world, um, had friends, um, not had to sort of move or so even someone who is not neurodivergent, like doesn't have ADHD, doesn't have um, an autism diagnosis. Um, but if you haven't had a lot of stability in your life, unlike the example I just gave, um, you're going to have challenges with managing executive function. And certainly your past history would have led your executive function to be very stressed. So you're in mm -hmm. school and you just can't figure out math. And on one level, you know you're smart, um, but you're just not grasping something. Well, you know, if you go home every afternoon to your parents fighting or somebody not coming home or some other crisis, or even if you have, say, a disabled sibling, right? Or your family takes in a bunch of foster kids, which is a wonderful thing, but can create havoc in your home life. So these kinds of disruptions that happen in your developmental history are going to make it really difficult as well for you to have built up that self-trust in terms mm -hmm. of I'm a good learner, or I know how to organize my time. So um, it's another one of those things of like, on paper, it sounds great. Yeah. 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 But then there's all of these variables that that piece of paper doesn't include. Yes. Yeah, and most people don't include those variables when they think about what their capacity should be, quote unquote, mm -hmm. should. Right. Uh, so and it's not really realistic or fair to themselves. Well, and executive functioning, if we bring it back to this computer metaphor, executive functioning stuff is resource intensive. Hmm. OK. And it's real easy to knock that. We, you know, we've been talking about ADHD. We've been talking about autism. And, you know, now we're talking about some systemic factors. But those aren't the only things that affect our ability to concentrate or switch attentional tasks or whatever. You know, uh, depression affects attention. Mm -hmm. PTSD affects attention. Schizophrenia affects attention. Bipolar disorder. You know, mm -hmm. just about every diagnosis there is affects attention. A lack yeah. of sleep affects attention and our ability to regulate our mood. Um, so does hunger. 
it, there are so many things that affect our ability to do these higher order tasks. Mm-hmm. And it really, we do not give ourselves just as a whole, we do not give ourselves enough permission to have bad brain days. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's such an important, actually, I love that phrase, bad brain days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, it, it just really takes the pressure off, which is important. Um, ultimately, you want to figure out what to do, but you have to first understand what you're dealing with. And if you're coming from a place like, I should be able to do this thing, and everybody else can do this thing, and I'm failing because I can't do this thing, um, then you're not allowing for the reality of your situation, your specific circumstances, your specific brain. Um, and it makes life a lot harder. <laughs> so. What- I don't remember what book I read it in, but I, I remember reading one that was just like, should is one of the worst words for your mental health. Mm. It, it it has limited, it's a double-edged sword. Like yeah. other, like anything else, it can be functional. Like every yeah. emotion, even the unpleasant ones, are mm-hmm. functional when they're working right, okay? If we didn't have a concept of an appropriate course of action, we wouldn't have a society. I probably shouldn't strip naked and go running down the middle of the street. <laughs> I, I, there will probably be repercussions for that. Yeah. Um, but when we carry it too far beyond its usefulness, like, again, if I've got a low wisdom score, why should I be as perceptive as the person who has a 16 wisdom score? Mm-hmm. I, that's unreasonable. Yeah. Um, so one, one of the, the other things you had in here was the emotional dysregulation, mm. uh, which we've touched on a little bit here. Um, but what does that have, what does emotion and executive function have to do to, with each other? Well, if you aren't within that lovely window of tolerance, um, it's, or if you're close to the margins of it, um, then it's easier to move into a state of dysregulation. And there are kind of two poles, if you will. There's hyperarousal, uh, which sounds a lot more exciting than it is, actually. Um, but what, <laughs> these guys are 12. I, <laughs> I turn into like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old every time I hear that. And I know scientifically what it means, but every time someone's like hyperarousal. Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Okay, but okay, I want to get this out there. <laughs> Back of the class with you. <laughs> so hyperarousal is that state of really high anxiety. It's like when we constantly think or worry that something's going to go wrong. Maybe we feel super anxious about ourselves or we're worried about, I don't know, crossing the street or something. Usually it's that catastrophizing that we've talked about in terms of um, distorted thinking. And hypoarousal is like when you're just exhausted, you know, you're, you're just, there isn't any juice to keep going or pay attention or be present. And there's loads of reasons for it. You know, PTSD can take you from hyperarousal to hypoarousal in a nanosecond, right? Um, and the, the thing with these two states is neither of them is regulated, right? So if I'm feeling super anxious, I'm not going to be able to think with my full brain, From an evolutionary perspective, I'm actually in that fight, flight, freeze, you know, a reptilian braid we all kind of know about, but maybe haven't always put together how it activates us in daily life. 
So, but if I'm close to a fight-flight state, hyperarousal, or a free state, hypoarousal, then I'm also not able to think with all of my capacity to be creative, to find solutions, to task switch, to get myself a decent lunch, you know, any of those things that we need to do to keep our day going, and in fact, to stay in a regulated state because we need that planning and forethought to get us there, forethought, that's what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. um, kind of fails us. So, in other words, present Mitra can't think about what future Mitra actually needs. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the, uh, one of the things that you said there that like connected to me so hard is when I was going to therapy and I was getting tools i'm putting bunny ears on that because as we've learned on the show that maybe that wasn't the best place for me to go but i i when i was having those moments of anxiety any of those tools that my therapist was trying to give me never once crossed my mind yeah no not a single once Mm -mm. no it would be afterwards that i'd be like why didn't i do why didn't i try the thing i i wasn't even thinking about that right well, you so all of this stuff that you know, you, bringing it back to your original question, Trevor, about how does emotional regulation dysregulation fit into this? Well, partially all of the stuff that Mitra said, but also, also the idea that when we feel something, we have to, and you know, especially something strong, we want to act on it. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes executive functioning control to not act on what we're feeling. You know, this is this is why kids tend to express distress differently than adults do. We tend to be a little bit more metacognitive. We think about our own thinking. We, you know, um, I, I have a good friend that I, I, <laughs> I know for a fact how angry she is by how polysyllabic her vocabulary is. If she's in a calm and rational state using polysyllabic vocabulary, she's at about a six out of 10 on the anger scale. If I get a text message from her that's just, hi, I'm like, oh God, how are you? Oh God. And so, yeah, um, it's our executive functioning, our frontal lobe, our higher order thinking, it is responsible for so much of what we're expected to do in society, including... Uh, I- including, you know, the sequencing of our days, the planning of our days. Um, it- it's it- it's amazing how often we don't think about thinking about. I'm going. I'm I'm going. I with followed the, you there. I followed you there. Well, well, no. I it's it's actually one of my favorite lines from an old play, uh, "Inherit the Wind." Do you ever think about the things that you do think about? <laughs> it's true, though. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you do want that metacognition, right? In terms of both controlling and considering your um, responses uh, to the world. And also as part of in that controlling, you're doing some future planning. If I blow up at my partner now before I've eaten, it probably has more to do with hunger than the, I don't know, irritating way there. Um, rootling around in the cupboard, um, <laughs> for example. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, they're breathing wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it has nothing to do with that, but we can't see that in the moment, especially yeah. if we're feeling on edge. Yeah. I, I don't know if this applies to anybody, but I kind of picture my own executive functioning as Ron Howard's voice narrating my life. And every now and, and I should do this. He shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. 
See, but the only time that one steps in is uh, it's not Ron Howard. It's just Jason Bateman going, I don't know what I expected. I made uh, a terrible mistake. <laughs> yes. Man, there's a lot of arrested development in, in my, uh, <laughs> my executive function. Um, before we uh, uh, remind everyone of our disclaimer, is there anything we want to top off here before we go into strategies in the next part? Mm. Uh, boy, speaking of executive functioning challenges, now that I feel emotionally <laughs> on the spot, I'm like, uh, <laughs> emotional activation. Brain goes bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything I'd like to add? Um, I feel like, like the... we've... Go on. Oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yours is more important. No, no. You had a thing. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing, like, um, there is... One of the things that I find, especially when I'm getting into these high moments of overstimulation from ADHD or just my emotions in general, there's there's a, a piece of dialogue from The Good Place that I just so related to. It was Cheedy describing him trying his mind trying to make a decision, and it was a fork in a garbage disposal, and it yes. was that sound in his head. And I'm like, that I, I never related harder to a piece of dialogue. Yes. Yes. Yes, that does describe it really well. Okay, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. one last thing I'd like to say about this is, before we move into strategies, is a really mm-hmm. important thing to keep in mind, and it ties into strategies, is you don't have to believe everything you think. Oh, oh Mitra. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, I understood those words individually. <laughs> but when you put them together in that order, I... I I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I don't get. I don't. I can't. I don't understand. Wait. So brain lies? Yes, all the time. <laughs> Wait a minute. The I, brain I, is like the internet. So I just want. So I much, Doctor Google. Yes. I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Mitra just charged into the entire chat with a battle axe and <laughs> whirlwind attacked everybody, us included. Everyone, make a wisdom save. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Uh, Let's do it. That was at least a DC twenty-three. Oh, what'd you roll? Well, given my negative one to wisdom (laughs) thirteen. Uh, oh, oh and the strad puppet no! comes out. No, the strad of truth. Oh. All right, let's take a quick break and remind viewers and listeners of our disclaimer. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. There's a lot of nat ones in the chat I saw. <laughs> I also like Dark Shell saying we all need a short rest after that vicious attack. I'm gonna go get the Cherry Garcia of Restoration out oh, of my freezer right now. I, I I've got a greater potion of uh, Americone Dream. Uh, <laughs> I got so, cookies at home, people. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, what strategies um, can we possibly try to use to help with this? 
Uh, well, I've been, you know what? I've been rocking the, the, the tabletop RPG metaphors all, all show today. So I mean, it's appropriate. Well, rely on your party and rely on the idea that everybody has different ability scores. And I, I really like to use that metaphor when I talk to, to managers, because let's break away from the idea of this binary capable or incapable. Yeah. Okay. And the, and I love the adventuring party metaphor because I have never seen a D&D character who is useless. Okay? Right? Never yeah. have Now I have seen some that were definitely more specialized than others in their applications, but the um but the idea that a character is useless is absolutely ludicrous. You're not going to throw a wizard into the front lines of battle, especially a level one wizard. You expect that they're, they're going to be cannon fodder at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. But you rely on the people around you to support you in the abilities that you have and the abilities that you don't have or that are a challenge for you. I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that actually walks that walk. And they, you know, my job is really plays into where my strengths are and in the areas of challenge for me we're actually working on building some external structure around me now this is a conversation that we're having within the organization and i couldn't do it without my adventuring party mm -hmm. okay so you've said a couple a few important things there um, God, I and... hope so, given how I handled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so the first one is um, knowing your level, understanding your specialization or your spec, um, recognizing where you're actually at in terms of your ability. So some self-reflection there without judgment, right? Self-reflection, but with kindness and compassion, um, as opposed to the self-reflection of I ought to be somewhere I'm not, Right. Uh, which brings up a lot of shame, which also actually, by the way, relates to um, dysregulation, to the hypoarousal exhaustion part of it. We move into shame freeze if we're pushing ourselves or uh, berating ourselves. So knowing your level um, and being kind to yourself about where you're at. And then the second thing was finding your party, right? You need supports in your life. Now, you might have supports and you might just need to actually access them because sometimes we're not good at asking for help. We're not good at asking for support. We have this idea that we should be, you know, independent, should, right? But we aren't. We're interdependent. We do rely on those around us. So being able to access supports and find your friends and rely on them and know that they have your back, that's a really important step in this. Mm-hmm. I this was so back in the days when I worked with when I worked with people directly uh, an exercise I really would do with them is to have them fill out their own character sheet and yeah. to to walk <laughs> them through and in not in a not a self-aggrandizing kind yeah. of way because you know we all want to think that we've all got at least 12s in every in every ability score when not even close <laughs> yeah no definitely not I I definitely have an 8 wisdom <laughs> um <laughs> But the uh, but it, it's a, it was an interesting exercise in, to go through in a non-judgmental kind of way, yeah. With with folks to have them discuss why they gave themselves certain scores and 
what what certain advantages they had, what certain skill sets they did, and what areas they needed to reach out to others on. And even if they did have a lot of above average scores, they didn't have above average scores in everything. Mm-hmm. And so that that was an interesting exercise for people because a big portion of that was to be able to acknowledge strengths and challenges in a non-judgmental way to mm-hmm. let go of this idea that we're supposed to be good at everything to that we have to be above average that we have to be exceptional in all things and to become comfortable with those strengths and challenges mm-hmm. i will never i will never be an olympic swimmer i'm okay with that i yeah. have other things i'm good at and but yeah, so this idea this idea that we should be good at everything, that's just that's just toxic. Yeah. It, it really is. And so is the idea that we should reach for some kind of ultimate with everything. Right? Mm-hmm. So you may love swimming, mm-hmm. but you don't need to be an Olympic swimmer to love swimming. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to be oh. good at everything that you do. Let, let, let me let me tell you a, a, a good anecdote to this one is mm-hmm. When I worked when I worked in the office, at one time I said to someone, uh, uh, "I was we, something got brought up about books, and I said something about writing, and they're like, oh, you write?' I was like, "Yeah, I'm a writer," and they're like, "Oh, would I have read your work?" And what my boss with before I could say anything goes, "That's a really weird question. Like, you, if someone says, "Yeah, I play basketball," you're not like, "What team are they on?" Like, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful example. It really yeah. is. And I mean, these these ideas that we have to be. Yeah. The, the idea that you could just do something for self-fulfill. You know, that's a whole different episode. I oh, not, yeah. I am yeah. not yeah. going it really to. Is. It really is. It's Let whole, me tell you. Oh, <laughs> He's holding them by. Hold me back. Hold me yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. I have so much to say on that one. We'll definitely do it as an episode. What a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So one of the things with this that uh, we have on here is gamification. Mm. And I did want to give this a little bit of time. What is gamification? How is this related to executive function? Um, well, you know, actually, you know, Mitra, I've been talking a lot. You, you... <laughs> Okay, sure. Um, I'll, t- I'll, I'll start the ball rolling. So first of all, let's talk about learning. Um, and I know Dr. B wants to go into operant learning, um, and he's going to say that piece way better than I will. So I'm um, just going to remind you of what you wanted to say about that. But, I'm, not, I'm not tied to it. Okay. So learning, right? Um, what are the best circumstances under which we can learn and do things where we're feeling less pleasure, uh, pressure? And more pleasure, yes. Okay. So learning through play is always effective for people because there is less at stake. If you make a mistake, so what? You're having fun and you're playing a game and you don't have mm-hmm. to do it right. And there's this kind of energy that can come into it and creativity that can come into it because we're just not as stressed, right? Stress equals poor learning. Sometimes we need a certain amount of stress to get things done and to take mm-hmm. risks. But a lot of times when we first are doing things, we want to kind of try them out and have fun with them. So the idea of gamification is to kind of bring in that approach while at the same time um, maybe making tasks that feel really challenging, potentially tasks that maybe feel a little onerous or even boring, um, bringing a little light and fun into them. So I'm thinking of habit RPG as sort of one example. Oh, Habitica? Habitica, that's right. Yeah. Used to be Habit RPG. Yeah, See, no, I'm they old. changed that. Anyway, yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about um, Habitica? 
Yeah, especially since we actually have challenge take this specific challenges on there. Lovely. Absolutely. Hey. Yeah, that's actually where that's where we originally debuted the Psychomancer mascot of ours. Perfect. Um, <laughs> if you if you complete the take this challenges on Habitica, you can get Psychomancer gear. It's really cute. Um, but the Habitica is this really cute uh, RPG based task game where you input your to do lists on a daily basis or ongoing habits or whatever have you. And you can do this in conjunction with a guild. And when you complete those habits, you get experience points and your characters level up and you can go on, uh, you can go on raids together that by completing <laughs> your tasks, like you can defeat the paper clutter monster at level five or something like that. Oh, it's been God. Um, but it's, it's a really cute, really cute idea that has that a lot of folks have told us they've received a lot of benefit from it i i'm i'm a fan yeah and then i think jane mcgonagall came up with uh super, super better, better. Yeah, yeah at one Re point <laughs> great concept wonderfully yeah. educational not the best game no <laughs> no so it's so part of the challenge with with this and many other kinds of gamifications is they are gamification tools, I guess, is they really do have to work for you. You have to find a way to engage in it. It really helps if you have other people who can do it too, so that you're feeling accompanied. It's the same idea with the Apple Watch and the challenges and closing your rings and Fitbit has a bunch of different ones. Um, if my they're friend Chad could stop closing same... his rings every day, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just sit on the couch like, damn it, Chad. Feeling so called out right now. <laughs> Must you? Must you? <laughs> well, so. there's, I mean, there's different things we can do along that. And it's not, it, whatever we do to make things, you know, like Mitra said, fun motivates us yeah yeah and you know ple pleasurable activities motivate us there's nothing earth shattering about saying that so gamification in theory is a way of making onerous tasks a little bit more fun but another another accommodation that's really common is the idea of body doubling and a not in a 50s b science movie kind of <laughs> kind of way that's a metaphor for communism but the uh, basically putting yourself in the same room, either virtually or in person, if you're fully vaccinated, uh, the it, it, where you're holding each other accountable to do the tasks you're supposed to do. At at take this, our our operations director and I actually have scheduled time three times a week where it's just the two of us on camera and we're working. No other meet. We try not to schedule any other meetings during those times. We're just the two of us together, and we're working on our respective projects. Wow, that's a great idea, and I love it because I was at one point doing it without even uh, realizing. So years ago, I had an onerous set of forms to fill out, as did oh. an acquaintance of mine, and we both had been procrastinating so hard with that. So one day, and we weren't that close, but we were really united on this one. And so one day she came over, well before quarantine times, of course, and we sat and we had a cup of tea and we had our forms in front of us and we were just bums in seats until they mm -hmm. were done. And I've often done that with people where we would just work together on papers, essays. It got me through my master's. So yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it can certainly um... be done via Zoom. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been really helpful because well, for two things, because one uh, for me, creating external structure is important because yeah. 
if I'm in a moment, I have a harder time regulating what I'm saying yes and no to. Mm -hmm. But if I create that external structure ahead of time, and especially if there's someone else involved. So I, it's one thing if I interrupt my own time. It's another thing if I interrupt somebody else's time. It's a small but important detail. And the, uh, it, yeah, it, it creates a sense of accountability to this as well. Uh, on, a, on a fun level, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to uh, Josh Simmons in the tabletop RPG community who mm. created the idea of hashtag pushup pact. Yep. which I, I saw through through uh, Obo Lauren and eventually started doing that with some other people where it's a it was a fitness accountability thing that was gamified where we started off a rolling 3d4 on the first day and we had to do that many push-ups that day and that that escalated by 1d4 every day until we got to 10d4 and then we set back down but it was 3d6. And oh then God! We, and we went up and up and up until eventually we got to ten d twenty for that day. Wow! I uh, would like to do the sit up pack. My, my, my <laughs> Much arm, better at those. My arms hurt already. I know, but no, right? it was so cool. No, it was so great because it was so gradual, and uh-huh. it, you know, you start with a, it, you had a maximum of doing forty by the end of the first eight days, and you had all day to do them. You don't have to do it all in one go. Mm. Um, this is this is turning into Doctor B's motivational hour, where um, <laughs> you two can get stronger. Okay, but this, yes, I guess we can. That would be awesome. Um, Check with your physician before starting any exercise. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I think I really what what I hear you saying there is. It's you're accompanied, um, the tasks are specific, Mm -hmm. the tasks are measurable, Mm -hmm. and the expectation is gradual. Mm -hmm. And when we set goals for a thing, that's really important. And I think the the challenge, if we're talking, because we're talking about executive function, and and I think we're talking about how executive function can sometimes interfere with that. So just talking about impulsivity and expectation for a second, um, what can happen with goals is that I'm going to be the most fit, best person I can be ever, right? And and, and I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to weigh myself, nah, calories, nah, gym, nah, running outside. Nah, you know? <laughs> and, Athletic and that kinda... Mitra is terrifying. <laughs> I, I, I need Mitra as my motivational coach because you know, I am going like... to do so many more push-ups. <laughs> I'll stand over you. No. Um, so I think... <laughs> I, I think the trouble is, this is what happens, right? Is this kind of uh, expectation and goal setting hijacks reality, yeah, right? And and if and it's and it's part of impulsivity. Mm-hmm. So we really want to undercut that by if I have someone I'm doing this with, I'm keeping to a schedule, right? Yeah. I am um, going to. Um, I'm just hijacked. She sounds like Grover. <laughs> oh, I was loving that. No, no, this was great. You're going to start giving us lessons on distance in a moment. Just near. <laughs> Far. <laughs> I will I will hit you with my handbag. Oh, oh, that's man. awesome. Oh, God. Okay. Um, okay, down we're... here. And, how, and 
and suitably hijacked from the point. Which well, you're bringing up a good point because um, what one of the things that we actually know from research is that especially those of us who have executive functioning challenges, we tend to overestimate what we're capable of. Whether mm-hmm. it's whether especially when it comes to time and goals, and having someone else there to say no, 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 that's not how time works is something I hear frequently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's helpful for people to be able to... Uh, manager set goals are often more realistic Absolutely. than personally set goals. Absolutely. So getting to work with someone else and yes. working on those goals um, mm-hmm. it's so that we're not expecting ourselves to... Go full, Miss Piggy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the chat is super distracting today. And yeah. I do have ADHD. I think we've established. But yeah, uh-huh. setting goals with other people um, to keep them both realistic and manageable for both of you and kind of talking mm-hmm. about that could be really helpful and definitely, definitely um, gamifying that to make it more entertaining for yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I want to make sure we get in there is... Uh, This is something I just learned about recently, and I'm really angry I didn't know about this sooner. There is a wonderful organization called the Job uh, Accommodations Network, and Mm -hmm. I believe the the website is askjanjobaccommodationsnetwork.org. And because mental health challenges, uh, which executive functioning challenges are often a part of, are protected status under the Americans with Disabilities Act, you are entitled in the workplace to reasonable accommodations of those. And askjan.org, you can search by diagnosis, you can you can search by workplace challenge, and it has entire lists of possible accommodations to be in the workplace. And even if even if you don't have documented executive functioning challenges, the, the, the cool thing is that strategies that make life easier for those of us with executive functioning challenges also make life easier for people without executive functioning challenges. Our strategies work for you, too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, wanted to give a little bit of time here at the end uh, to, to chat. Uh, Re- Revere01 says, so glad you guys are back. I think I was starting to go through Dr. B withdrawals, nervous twitches, and seeing bespoke bow ties everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! Yes, bring it up, bring it up. The audio listeners, you got to come see the YouTube. Oh my gosh! Oh, lovely. They're majestic. <laughs> I'm gonna come up with a better solution than a hanger, but. <laughs> um, I want uh, so uh, devoted DJ said uh, being diagnosed in my mid 30s with ADHD. I think of what I could have accomplished uh, if I would have known in my teens. Now here's the thing. Uh, so so Doctor B, I, I realized it's different ADHD to autism, but you were diagnosed with it in your Mm thirties. Personally for me, who knew he had, who knew I had ADHD since first grade, I like, and and now it might be better, but like back then I still didn't fully understand what that meant. And it was mainly just like, Oh, you get distracted easily. And so Uh, I didn't understand all these other things that ADHD came with. So it didn't, it mainly just made me be able to go, I have ADHD, sorry. <laughs> that, that was it. 
Well, I, I str- in my more rational moments, as opposed to my more self-loathing moments, um, I, I struggle with that idea of if I had known sooner. Yeah. Because on one hand, uh, you know, ta- speaking to my autism, if I had known sooner, sure, there may have been, I might have been able to put some strategies in place. But the problem is, if I was diagnosed younger, I would have been working with the tools at the time, not the tools yeah. we have now. Yeah. And the tools we had 30 years ago for autism Sucked. and ADHD were way way less than we recognize now you know if i had known all the stuff i know now when i was younger yeah. but then i oh, would be yeah. a time lord and i can't <laughs> yeah. do that as much as i yeah. named my car the tardis uh but... listen do, which uh which sonic screwdriver do you want to take with you i oh, <laughs> oh my gotta God, go david tennant David Tennant, all the way. I know oh, okay. I have I, fezes. I, I know got, I have I got you right here. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's 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 easy for me to it's easy for me to get self-loathing and lament the idea that if I had known then what I know now. Um. But yeah, it, it's not it's not a fair thing for me to say to myself mm-hmm. because, yeah, the research on both autism and ADHD 20, 30 years ago was way different the knowledge of best best practices about autism to be frank at the time were kind of barbaric yeah yeah and i think adhd as an adult who was diagnosed with adhd as an adult i can tell you that yeah knowing about it when i was younger um in context of other people first of all it wasn't really well understood in women and that goes for autism as well actually generally yeah still very much so so and um, there was so much stigma around it. So I don't know that it would have been much better. It is easy to think about, yeah, the things I understand and know about myself now. And that's a very different point than had I been, than the diagnosis yeah. piece. So for sure, if I had had the tools or understand what tools I was using, mm-hmm. um, because I think I used some tools and they worked great, but I didn't understand why. Um, yeah. It just, I just knew it worked. And so there's so much more we can explicate about both ADHD and autism. And we're actually going to do a couple of episodes about this. I was actually yeah. about to segue into that yeah. uh, uh, announcement about that. So uh, next week, uh, so what we decided that we're going to do is we're going to do two back-to-back episodes that are basically an AMA um, where, you know, uh, Dr. B has autism, has been very open about it. Mitra and I both have ADHD, and we've both been very open about it. And so we thought that it would be a good idea to kind of do an AMA about them. So next week we're doing an autism one. Um, so Dr. B is going to be talking about... What do you want to know? Yeah, I know. So, yeah, so Dr. B is going to be talking about um, uh, his autism and, uh, you know, his uh, story with that. And then uh, most of the show is going to be up for questions from you either in the chat or sending them into champions of psychology at gmail.com. Um, and then the week after that, Mitra and I are both going to talk about our ADHD and answer questions that people might have about that, that we can answer. And remember to keep this in mind, this is our answers to this. This is not a catch all. This is not, you know, a, the answer. This is just us who go through uh, life with these neurodivergent things mm-hmm. uh so you don't think of it as like you're asking the 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 absolute expert on adhd i'm just some dude that has a problem buying dragons um so <laughs> like a problem that you buy too many or you can't access your 
debit card to purchase Listen, the dragons. There's still that blue dragon I need. Don't don't remind me about that. <laughs> oh, oh god, the Wiz Kids Tiamat. It's so oh. pretty. Oh <laughs> my god. I didn't order I didn't pre-order the Tiamat. Anywho, um Oh, that's so, a yeah. reminder I need to. Yeah. So, yeah, we're so next week is the autism episode. The following week from that is going to be ADHD. So, we hope that you'll join us for that and uh send in your questions. Uh I do want to get one more from chat in here before we do our outro. Uh Mycroft Jones says, "Dr. B and Mitra, I find your uh voices have soothing quality to them. Glad the show is continuing for another run. It really helps start my day uh on a, at a more balanced point." And uh Mycroft Jones, I I absolutely love that and I totally understand why I'm not included in that because I am a sonic boom. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mycroft Jones, I just want to thank you for that fantastic compliment. That's just incredibly kind of you. <laughs> oh, God. We so appreciate you being here, Mycroft Jones. <laughs> I love it. I love thank it so you. much. Sincerely, thank it's you. It's very though. kind. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. Truly, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do want to thank everybody that is uh, here with us live in the chat uh, for season two. We cannot wait to keep doing these episodes. We were literally just like, when do we get to go back? Um, but that is going to bring us to the end of our show. Um, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you and what are, are you doing? Well, uh, what am I doing? I'm going to go home and see clients, actually, on Zoom. But where am I available? Um, I'm available at Mitra Jordan. Um, and I am also available on my website, mitrajordan.com, should anyone want to reach out. There is a contact form on that website, and you'd be welcome to use it. Um, so I'm pretty accessible. Yeah. And uh, pretty much everything I do is available over at takethis.org on all the social medias. But also, if you look down below, the Dr. B with two E's, spell out doctor. It's I forgot about the Dr. Nick thing, the Doctorb thing when I <laughs> made that. But we'll go with it. So I'm, I'm on all most socials at the Dr. B. Mm -hmm. you, 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 also do, you also do a little streaming now, too. Uh, yeah, we do. Oh God, um, this is this is seriously. This is why I've just started relying on that one line from Archer that Krieger says was like, "Eh, I'm around." Um, <laughs> yeah, every every Monday night I'm streaming something. Uh, whether it's with uh, at Geeks Like Us or Take This Org on Twitch, I'm streaming something. Yeah. Uh, check those out uh you can find me on the difficulty class podcast every friday as well as champions lore every monday here on twitch.tv slash games at 11 a.m pacific standard time you can also find me on twitter at the trevor there's an a hiding in there uh thank you to jay for moderating in the chat as always do a fantastic job and thank you to codename entertainment and take this for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions uh if you missed any part of this show remember you can listen to it later as a podcast at 2 p.m today uh and if you have any suggestions uh for future topics or any questions for our audience AMA and ADHD AMA. There's a lot of A's in there. Uh, you can send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Um, and if you are live with us right now, uh, remember to come back at 1 p.m. for Bardic Inspiration. Lauren Urban is going to be on there, and they're doing a song about Akira, and I cannot wait. Uh, and let's see. Uh, and if you're not live with us, um, you listen later on podcast. We'd love to see you next week in the chat with us, especially for that AMA. If you have any questions and aren't able to send in an email, uh, thank you to everyone for watching and listening. And until next week, take care of yourself. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. 
discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. <laughs>